Before we begin today's show, how does 25-year-old two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo get drafted 15th overall in a weak draft class? Adrian Wojnarowski investigates the twists and turns that led to a franchise and league-altering selection back in 2013, a new three-part series that tells the unique story and includes interviews with individuals close to the process as well as a one-on-one sit-down with Giannis himself. Check out the Woj Pod special, The Giannis Draft, wherever you find your podcast. Fun fact, it was produced by our very own Andrew Hahn and Troy Farkas. That's even one more reason to check it out. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We are recording this on Thursday evening. Um, I hope I have no idea how relevant this stays. I mean, I'm sure it's relevant. I mean, we're going to have tremendous information and insight. Of course, it'll be relevant, but how up to date um, it stays because things are happening very quick. Uh, we could have done this at midnight and still be uh, out of the mix. So we, we beg your pardon on that. Um, joining me from Seattle is Kevin Pelton, the machine. You've been very busy, Kevin. There, there have been a lot of trade grades. I'm making up for lost time. That's true. Joining us from McMahon, uh, uh, joining us from McMahon, joining us from <laughs> Dallas, uh, the man who Rick Carlisle demanded to see, but on this podcast, we definitely keep the cameras off, Tim McMahon. Thank you for not mentioning that he referred to me as ugly. I appreciate that. Well, you're not, a, you're not, you're not an ugly man. Uh, as uh, one of my favorite quotes from my time covering the Cowboys was from T.O. when he said, I'm handsome as hell. I'm handsome as a bleepity bleep. I ain't jealous <laughs> of nobody. Someday I'll tell you the story of the uh, of Terrell Owens, Jeff Garcia, and when uh, I interviewed uh, Playboy Playmate of the Year about it. All right. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, so just stuff's happening very quickly in the league. Um, we're going to uh, sort of look forward here. Uh, obviously it's a devastating injury with Clay Thompson tearing the Achilles. Um, Jeff Stotts, who runs, um, uh, what's the name of his uh, website? I want to have it correct. Um, in street clothes. In street clothes, who monitors all NBA injuries. How far back is his database, Pelton? Well, he actually, I have a couple more than he had. He had, oh, uh, whoa. He had DeMar- yeah, he had DeMarcus. Cut. I, I, he's, he's, his overall injury database is better, but I've got pretty good on ACLs and Achilles. So I found three guys who had, who had suffered both of these injuries, but Cousins would be the only one before DeMarcus Cousins who's had them in a short period of time. Other guys, it was, it was Jerome James and Emmanuel Davis had that at the start of their career. They, they tore their ACL and then their Achilles at the very end of their career, but not back to back like we're seeing with Clay Thompson, which is just, I can't imagine it. So it's devastating. Um, we're going to try to move forward here. So um, a few minutes ago, um, Woj reported at least a few minutes for our time that uh, Kelly Oubre is headed from Phoenix uh, via Oklahoma City to fill their trade exception um, that they have. And I, I will say this. No, he, Nan- he already did the Phoenix to OKC. Now he's leaving the, the pink parrot in OKC and heading out to the Bay Area. <laughs> right. Um, Phoenix, then OKC. He probably never even went to OKC and then uh, to, to uh, Golden State. I will say this. If you're looking for a silver lining in this dark cloud, it happened before this trade exception expired. Um, Pelton, when, when was this trade exception set to expire? To, it is would, it today? No, it was on Monday because it's Monday. it's got to be after the new league year, but you can't make this trade until Sunday because right now the Warriors are still hard capped until the league year turns over. So they had they had basically like 
36 hours to use it or something like that. So in a way, if you're looking for a, 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 some sort of light in this, it's it's that they can use this trade exception. Um, what I wasn't sure about when I heard about the injury was whether they would use it because it's going to cost them, according to Bobby Marks, um, about $82 million to trade for Kelly Oubre. Now, they're probably going to be sending some salary out. Um, the guess is that it's going to be Kavon Looney and possibly another first-round draft pick, maybe their own first-round draft pick next year. Um, I, my guess is that they're going to hang on to the Minnesota pick that they have. Um, but that's 14 0.4 million of Ubre's salary, which triggers 68 million in taxes for 82 million, according to Bobby Marks. I just wasn't sure they were going to spend the 82 million McMahon. Um, Ubre is obviously not Clay Thompson, but it's a hell of a, of, of a, of a gap filler, you know, for this season. Yeah. I mean, and especially spending that kind of money when they don't know when or if they'll be able to have fans uh, in the seats this season, you know, you, you hope that come playoff time, that there will be able to be fans in the seats, uh, you you know, and, and obviously the Warriors can make a lot of money per home playoff game, and getting Ubre significantly increases the odds that uh, not just that they make the playoffs, but they can make some sort of a run. But wow, that eighty-two million dollars for a what are we going to say? I'm going to call him a pretty good wing. That's that's pretty steep. Uh, machine, what does the machine say about how this could mitigate? Clay Thompson, the loss of. It, it definitely helps because, you know, the wing rotation was looking a little bit thin without Clay Thompson. You know, he was he was penciled in as a starter, and this still was a position that they maybe were going to try to address in, ta- in uh, free agency using their taxpayer mid-level exception. So from that standpoint, I think, you know, going back to what you said at the start, the Warriors obviously are not fortunate that this happened, but the timing of it would have been even worse if this had happened next week and the, ex- the exception had already expired, and they wouldn't have had as much flexibility to replace uh, Clay Thompson. I, I think the other interesting thing is, you know, we talk about how much money the Warriors are going to spend this season in terms of the additional luxury taxes, which will be reduced. They'll get some break to be determined based on how much the basketball-related income league-wide falls short of the original pre-pandemic projections. Uh, that was, you know, part of the agreement between the league and the players that was announced a couple weeks ago, and it was really favorable to taxpaying teams like the Warriors uh, to give them a bit of a break on that bill. But it's also what they're going to spend in future seasons because part of the logic behind creating that Iguodala trade exception and then filling it back when the Warriors were counting on Chase Center to be a huge cash cow is we want to be able to spend as much money as possible. So we kind of need to fill that and re-sign someone, even if it's just to have that salary for trade matching purposes. So getting Kelly Oubre, someone who, you know, is, is compared to some of the players we're talking about in this trade exception, is young, going to head it into the prime of his career, he'll be a free agent next summer. Maybe they re-sign him, even though they know that he's not necessarily going to stay with the Warriors long term. True. Um, the other thing I'd say is, you know, and you know, Andrew Hahn sometimes cuts stuff out of the podcast when I um, start talking about finances because, <laughs> you know, talking about owners' money isn't always the most, you know, interesting thing. The Warriors borrowed $300 million, um, at, you know, midway through the pandemic 
to help with financing the losses that they were going to be facing this season. Um, so the Warriors can quote unquote afford it. The thing about borrowed money, obviously, is you have to pay it back. Um, and it's not like they're going to get the, the games that they have without the fans. It's not like they're going to be able to then, then play those games. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say that Joe Lacob is going to have trouble keeping the lights on, but it is an incredible commitment. I mean, in a year where you look at the competitiveness in the West, does getting Kelly Oubre, does it make you the four seed? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Well, and, and, and you know, does, does Steph Curry stay healthy? And right. and can he play at an MVP level? I mean that that if you're talking about the Warriors uh, as a, as a top four seed in the West, that absolutely is a is a must. And you know this is it's not just a huge financial commitment. We haven't seen what's heading back to uh, to OKC in terms of compensation. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and maybe we'll know by the time the pod's out, and, and say that there will be a first round pick heading back just because Sam Presti doesn't do business without first round you know, without adding to his first round pick collection. And so, you know, that's a, that's another big commitment from the Warriors, given that the way they created this trade exception in the first place was by giving up a very lightly protected first round, future first round pick to the Grizzlies. So um, no matter what you think, um, this is a pretty significant move by the ownership group to try to keep this team in, in championship contention. Um so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how James Wiseman fits there. Um, just, just quite a blow. Um, other significant news today, um, and this is, it's surprising, but it's, it's kind of quasi-surprising um, because this has been rumbling uh, out there for a while. We've been talking about it, but Gordon Hayward opts out of his $34 million contract with Boston. Now, would you say McMahon, the top free agent on the market, assuming Anthony Davis resigns? Um, a bunch of teams have already spent cap space. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been. Um, the, we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks situation in a while, mm-hmm. but Gordon Hayward and his representation has been quietly testing the market for a while now to see what would happen. Uh, I don't see a tremendous fit out there for him with the cap space teams. Which well, would be Charlotte, New York, Atlanta. I, th- I think it's going to be New York. There's a, there's already a lot of you know there's a lot of smoke out there with that. Um, you know there are some strong ties to Gordon Hayward and and the new Knicks regime. Uh, that you know that he's not a CAA guy, but Johnny Bryant, the associate head coach who they uh, they got from Utah, that was the Jazz assistant coach who really developed Gordon Hayward. You know when he was a young player, you know developed him into being an all-star in his last season with the Jazz. Um, so there's that relationship. Walt Perrin, longtime Jazz assistant who uh, was part of the the front office that drafted Hayward. He just left Utah to go into the next front office. And, you know, the other thing, like you said, there's not a whole lot of cap space out there. The Knicks just cleared out a bunch. Uh, you know, they need kind of a, a, a go-to guy who can uh, hold the fort while R.J. Barrett's developing. And, you know, I don't know how enthusiastic I'd be about throwing 30 plus million dollars a year long term at Gordon Hayward right now. But uh, I don't think he's he's leaving 34 on the table unless he knows it's coming. Right. Well, one of the things uh, when he went to Boston, they they were a different organization. Um, They still had these young players that they were developing and Kyrie Irving was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or no, was Kyrie there? Kyrie was. He was there. So they had a. Help me with this. Had they acquired Kyrie yet? 
I think Kyrie was later that summer because Isaiah Thomas recruited That's right. Jordan Hayward. That's right. That's right. You're right. <laughs> but when he was going there, he was thinking he was either number one or number two. Yeah. Um, then, you know, he was going to come to the East, you know, obviously playing for his college coach, Brad Stevens, and he was going to be a primary member of that team. Now, look, the broken leg, nobody could have foreseen it. It was a terrible thing. Um, but what has ended up happening is he's number four, sometimes number five on that team. And, you know, he's still being paid $34 million, but I, I wonder if that's an issue. In fact, I don't wonder. I know that it's right. an issue. Um, and so it's been, it's been, especially when you had Tatum and, and Brown, you know, lead that team along, along with Horford. But, you know, Tatum and Brown proved that they could be dudes on a team that went to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals without him. And then he comes back the next year and there was the weirdness of trying to work him in and his Hayward getting shots and all that. And it's 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 been a weird fit ever since then. Pelton, um, where do you think um, – uh, where do you think um, – I'm sorry. I just got a text that distracted me. Um, where do you think, where's Hayward at in this, uh, you know, at this point in his career? What, what do you evaluate him as? I think he probably is better off in that kind of more secondary role on a good team. Uh, you know, if you are a team like New York or Atlanta, where I, I guess he'd probably be the number two creator if, if you were to end up there, which there was some talk early in the week about that. You know, then he could help those teams in that role. But the other possibility I think we need to discuss is whether there could be a sign in the tr in trade in mm -hmm. the works for Gordon Hayward because Boston mutually agreed to move back his player option deadline from Tuesday to today. You don't do that unless you think there's something in it for you. And in that case, it's rather than Hayward just leaving as an unrestricted free agent, at the very least signing and trading him into the team's cap space, you can create that trade exception like they did, uh, you know, they and Charlotte did last year with Kemba Walker and, and Terry Rozier, uh, or actually trading him for value to a team that does not have cap space, like perhaps Indiana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, hmm, that's a that's a complicated. I mean, you never want to lose the guy for nothing. And after after losing Al Horford for nothing, like even if Hayward isn't the greatest fit, your organization can't can only withstand so much guys walking for nothing. And so I do think that Boston is open to a sign and trade. I just think that um, the fit for Gordon Hayward is complicated for a number of teams because if you're gonna if you have established stars. Um, or he would be your second or third star, and you have kind of a high payroll. That's a hard. That's a high bar. Um, if you're if you're New York, why do you want to help Boston? Why would you even participate in a sign and trade if that's the direction that he decides he decides to go? You get probably get a second round pick or something like that for your trouble in a situation like that. I mean, OKC has done that a lot. Probably will with Danilo Gallinari if he signs with a team with cap space. So, you know, that's that's fairly common standard operating procedure. Yeah. Um, so the Hayward thing becomes um, the Hayward thing becomes an issue for obviously for Boston. I don't know how they really replace him. I mean, um, the market doesn't have a player of that caliber. Um, you know, Pelton, what, what, what are their options if he yeah. indeed doesn't resign there? And I mean, the one thing that if they, if Hayward leaves, 
uh, outright, it does open up them potentially using their non-taxpayer mid-level exception. They're, they go under the luxury tax, which they would have been in with his $34 million on the books. You're not going to get, I think, another creator like that. I, In terms of uh, you know, I wonder Rodney Hood, someone who somewhat unexpectedly opted out in his own right, would he be a, a player who they would have interest in? What do you think, McMahon? Yeah, hey, replace one former jazz guy with another. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he makes sense just as uh, you know, he is coming off an Achilles. Uh, there, there's that concern, obviously, but he makes sense as a guy who could give you a little bit of scoring punch. He opted out of uh. I was I was a little surprised that he opted out of six million, but you know clearly they think there's going to be more than that. Yeah, look, I think if you're Boston, I think that the best case scenario here is probably uh, working out a sign and trade with uh, with Indiana, and you know what exactly that you know what what would be the best fit? Would it be would it be Miles Turner? Um, you know, would it be trying to uh, get Oladipo. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of, of talk about change with the Pacers, and we, and we haven't really seen them uh, shake it up yet this offseason. The issue is uh, that Indiana, while it is an incredible fit for him, their payroll is at $125 million, $120 million, $125 million before they even address any of their possible free agents. And so if you're going to bring in a guy like Hayward, they just can't take that on. And and so Mm -hmm. they've got to send out significant money. Um, I think they'd have to send out more money to Boston than, than they take back. And it just, it makes it hard to execute a trade like that. And and, and look, this is not, unless there's another team involved, it's it's hard, but maybe there can be another team involved. Although there's not a whole lot of cap, there's not a whole lot of potential facilitators out there. Um, That's true. That's true. I mean, one of the things just about this entire free agent process in general is um, is uh, that there's just not much room out there for anybody. And yeah. so, you know, there's just not much maneuverability. Like this is one of the things that's going on with this Milwaukee Bucks situation. Um, they have this Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, I don't know if they can save it. Ideally, you could go try to find a third team to try to mitigate this situation because one of the core issues of what's going on with Milwaukee is that Bogdan Bogdanovich can probably get more money on the open market from another team, right. be it in a sign and trade or possibly from a cap space team. Atlanta is a team that is believed to have um, interest in Bogdanovich. Um, the, the Bucks are somewhat hamstrung on what they can pay him in a sign and trade because when you do a sign and trade, you become hard capped. Um, and you can only spend so much money and they just can't fit with, with Drew Holiday on their books and Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Those are their primary earners. They just don't have much money. So, you know, there's a possibility that you could use a third team to help facilitate, but that becomes problematic when when you don't have many teams to do deals with. I was really hoping, and the the Ubre thing sounds like it's happening, but I was really hoping that uh, the Warriors we're going to make a, a late run at Bogdanovich and try to sign and trade him into that exception, really muck things up. Well, it would have presented the same issue for them. And and the hard cap is even more of an impediment for them. We saw what happened last year, all the machinations they had to go through, giving away Iguodal in the first round pick, as you mentioned, to get down to that level, to bring in D'Angelo Russell. I mean, 
I, I think even more so than the lack of teams, it's just, as you said, there's, there's no more fat to trim if you're Milwaukee. You only have five guys making more than the minimum is that uh, is we understood that deal to work, and those are your starting five. So uh, how, where do you go from there? How much do we think Bogdanovich is making? Well, the word on the street, I always have to be careful with this because I get mm-hmm. in trouble. The word on the street is that he he thinks that he can get an offer or or there's belief that there's offers out there that average 18 million a year, somewhere in the four year $72 million range. Um, that I, I think a lot of people think would come from Atlanta. I think the most Milwaukee can do with with is something closer to the fifteen to sixteen million dollar a year range. So over four years, that's eight or nine million, depending on where all the decimal points go. That's not an insignificant amount of money. So um, so but, my question is, how much cap space does Atlanta have? Because every single free agent is rumored <laughs> to be getting eighteen million dollars a year from Atlanta. Well, as far as that's I can the tell. other thing. There's a bunch of people who think that Atlanta is going to be used as a stalking horse. And again, there's just not I mean, that that's much. The Gallinari Gal rumors is right in that range from, uh, from Atlanta, you know, Rondo, not that much, but Rondo has been rumored uh, to right. Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I, I think poor Montrez Harrell, he can't use, he can't use Atlanta. Now they've got Capella and the kid that they drafted last night. But uh, yeah, you know, everybody's, everybody's trying to float the Hawks is interested. Yeah. So th- the difficulty is, is that if you're Milwaukee, you, you've got um, a real, ch- it's, it's a, you've got, you've got teams out there making deals left and right. I mean, how many free agent deals do we think is, are already done? Oh, five, seven, 12. Yeah. You know? And so Milwaukee, this deal basically fell apart because of scrutiny about, about it possibly being done too early. And yes, it was done too early. There were probably rules violated, but there were rules violated everywhere. I mean, there's uh, rules violated every day if we're talking about that kind of thing. I mean, you know, so Milwaukee's in a situation where there are teams out there that if they're if their their players are probably already tampering with Giannis, you know, come mm-hmm. play with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying any teams are actually doing that, but uh, you know, there are players out there who have probably said to Giannis, "Hey, let's you know." come play with me next year. This is going to be great or whatever. And even if that hasn't happened yet, they're preparing for it, right? They're preparing to fend off tampering for Giannis. They're out there trying to make a deal to try to keep Giannis. And this deal fell apart, guys, because Bogdanovich was lined up for it. Um, the reports are that his his uh, his agency hadn't signed off on the deal, that that Sacramento and Milwaukee had negotiated a sign and trade, but they hadn't actually negotiated the contract yet. <laughs> and, but I mean, call it whatever you want. Sacramento is negotiating with Milwaukee to get Bogdanovich. I guess, like in a court of law, if you're trying to prove tampering, you could probably get a say. Well, it, we didn't actually negotiate the contract with them. You know, you, you just had the car waiting at the airport with the paperwork in the car. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't actually sign it. So, I, um, you know, and it was my understanding that Bogdan wanted or still wants to be, had interest in being a Milwaukee Buck, being a teammate uh, of Giannis. And, and that's why this whole thing went down this path. Um, but it's blown up and and the Bucks had to uh, cut uh, Ersan Ilyasova today because his contract became um, became uh, fully guaranteed if they didn't cut him today. And the issue 
is that I think Milwaukee was still trying to hope to save this deal, but they don't know whether the league would potentially void this. They don't know whether another offer would come in that they can't match. And then all of a sudden they've held on to Ilyasova and their options for going a different direction are compromised. So they had to cut Ilyasova. And now they're like saying, okay, I guess we're going to keep Dante DiVincenzo. We're going to, um, you know, have our mid-level exception and go out there and try to find other players. And the deal kind of fell apart because of scrutiny over tampering. While the team that they were allegedly taking him away from was okay with him going. Mm-hmm. McMahon, I mean, this is a pretty unique situation. Yeah, but it's also tampering and in, in the sense of, uh, I mean, conducting free agency business before before uh, it started. It's, it's it's not just tampering with the Kings. It's tampering with any other teams that are uh, that would be interested in Bogdanovich. So I can, I mean, this isn't a letter of the law thing. Like it was pretty blatantly uh, coloring outside the the lines of the rule book. It's blatantly coming outside the lines of the rule book, but everybody does. True. But if you're going to do it, maybe don't be so blatant. I mean, I think the question we have to ask, like, you know, clearly this seemed to be part of their plan to appeal to Giannis ahead of when they can offer him the Supermax tomorrow, the Supermax extension. I aside, Setting that part of it aside, which is an extremely important part of it, I don't think it's such a bad thing for Milwaukee to not be so limited by the hard cap as they tried to fill out the roster because they would have had an awesome starting five if that deal had gone through. But there are matchups in the playoffs where you are not going to be able to play Brooke Lopez at the end of games. So if Brooke Lopez is not at the, on the court at the end of games, who was going to be in that spot? Because you had maybe the ability to offer like three million more than the minimum to one player, it was going to be an extremely tight squeeze financially for the Bucks. But they still had executed getting two players in there that dramatically upgraded their roster. And they still have gotten one in Drew Holiday, who I think is right. probably a more important addition for them in terms of filling that point guard spot that was really troublesome for them two playoffs in a row. There are people out there who think that Dante Givincenzo is his future is comparable to to Bogdanovich. I, I, I mean, one of them. I was going to say I don't necessarily see that as a massive difference. I mean, I don't see Bogdanovich's. I don't. I don't have Divincenzo's salary in front of me, but I don't see him as you know twelve, fifteen, eighteen million dollars a year better than him. True, but I think the issue is I think Giannis Giannis had an interest in playing alongside him. You yeah, know? and look, every every move they they gave up three picks and two swaps for a guy entering a contract year because they absolutely have to be all in. They have to. I mean, it's it's not even about how good Drew Holiday is. It's about this, you know, the sales pitch uh, to Giannis at this point. And, and, you know, people th- around the league thought, okay, looks like Giannis is going to sign the Supermax. I know, you know, some of the teams that thought maybe they'd have a chance in free agency were, were restructuring their thinking to saying, well, if that thing flames out, we need to be in, in position to, to be able to put a, a, a trade proposal together, you know, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, whenever Giannis might be at, at that point. Um, but who knows? Who knows what happens now? Well, this is an interesting thing because one of the things that has come up as I've talked to people in the league is who was most upset. I mean, 
if they indeed had, you know, and agreed to is a is a loaded word because we obviously we obviously know that Sacramento and Milwaukee had some sort of understanding on a trade. We don't know whether, you know, we, we, I guess Bogdanovich himself hadn't agreed to it. So I guess it's not an open and shut case of tampering. Um, because he, because agreed to is not, you know, it's in quotes, but who is the agreed party? If let's just say for the sake of argument, it was tampering and that everything was lined up and they did it three days early. The aggrieved party would be whom? Would it be the Kings, the, the, the team who has the restricted free agent? No, it would not, because they were participating in trading the guy. Would it be the Atlanta Hawks? Yes. Uh, okay, but the Atlanta Hawks are out there potentially negotiating with people too, right? Okay, yeah. I'm so, yeah, I mean, everybody's, everybody's you know, got a little mud on them. That's, that's a fair point. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is some like crime against humanity or anything. I'm just saying like if you're going to color outside the lines like everybody does, you know, I mean, do it and do you can do it with crayon. You don't have to do it with like spray paint. Okay, I guess you're right, but but what if it's not the just the Hawks? What if it's other teams, teams who want Giannis? Um, Teams that want to tamper with Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's the Raptors, if it's the Heat, if it's the Mavericks. Well, I'm not saying I'm not speculating who it is. I'm just saying if the um I'm just saying, you know, what if there's something else going on out there? I mean it's tough because I, I do think there should be a distinction drawn between the idea of tampering being trying to induce a player who's currently under a contract to a different team to come play with you. I, I do think there's an ethical divide between that and what what whatever teams are doing in terms of offering contracts or agreeing to contracts with free agents now, the the only rule they're breaking is when they're doing, right. not what they're doing. So I do draw a slight distinction between those two things. I, I will agree with you there, Brian. Yeah, it's I'm not just, like it's not like they're openly recruiting uh players with two years on their contract to uh demand a trade to to their team. I mean, something that never happens in this league. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, the stakes really at the end of the day, we could talk about Bogdanovich. I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, talk everybody to their, till they're blue in the face. Um, but, um, this is, this is about Yasa Tenacumpo. And this is about one of the most important moments in recent league history, which is whether he's assigned this extension or not. And his level of excitement about the bucks when, when he thought they were getting, um, Bogdanovich, um, versus his level of feeling about the Bucks after this deal apparently fell apart. Only he knows what that is. And if he comes back from Greece, where he's been for the offseason, and he signs that contract, the Bogdanovich thing is an interesting footnote, and we'll track it, but it doesn't matter. If he comes back and does not sign it, this all of a sudden becomes something super relevant. We'll know more in the, in the forthcoming days. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. 
paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So we got a free agency um, beginning uh, Friday evening. Free agency already started. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, but uh, we talked about a couple of the big guys. Uh, D'Anthony Davis is going to resign. Gordon Hayward. Um, by the way, Gordon Hayward could still resign in Boston. This has happened a couple of times over the years. He could he could alter his his pay, maybe take a slight pay cut and add years to it. Um, I'm sure that's on the table. I, I wouldn't think that's a leading candidate. Um, you talked about Gallinari possibly being a, a, a candidate to go to Atlanta. Uh, I've heard some some numbers there. Um, there's some rumors out there about what he's going to get. Uh, it's a pretty healthy if the rumors are true, it's a pretty healthy contract offer that, uh, that he has received. It's also possible that Oklahoma City could cooperate in a sign and trade with Gallinari. Um, Pelton, who are some of the free agents that you're paying close attention to? Well, we haven't yet talked about Fred Van Vliet, who I think is far and away the number one gettable guy in the market. He's a better player at this stage of his career than Gordon Hayward. He's a better player at this stage of his career than Daniel Gallinari. And it's interesting that... I, I don't know if it's an indication of how much teams think Toronto has valued him, but his market pretty much completely disappeared in the past week where, you know, Phoenix was a team we thought might make a run at him. Uh, they instead have added Chris Paul at point guard. They're set there. Uh, Detroit was a team that was mentioned quite a bit as a possible Fred Van Vliet suitor. They took on a bunch of salaries and trades to add draft picks yesterday. So they're out of the mix. New York is really the only other team outside of Toronto that seems like they have could realistically have interest at this point. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know, Detroit has pretty much taken themselves out of the free agent market. Also, an interesting thing, um, uh, Christian Wood, who people thought might be a uh, might might get paid in Detroit after having a really big year last year. Um, they just traded for Dwayne Dedman. I wonder if that precludes them from resigning Christian Wood. But um, it, it limits what they can pay him now. But it's still a pretty healthy number because they could clear about eleven point five million in cap space if they waived Justin Patton, who's on a non guaranteed, fully non guaranteed deal. No date on that one. Uh, so that you know, on a four year deal, you're looking at like fifty one million. To him, so that's still, I think, competitive with what he would get out there. But if you really love Christian Wood, if the Knicks really love Christian Wood, they can go get him now. Yeah, um, McMahon, um, Fred Van Vliet is probably best off staying in in Toronto. It's really just a matter of what his price is. Yeah, it's a it's a matter of him trying to get market value based not on this free agency market. If we're being honest, is it's based on him trying to be paid what a player uh, of his caliber gets paid in the league in normal circumstances, not in a very depressed uh, market that, that we have here now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a hard year for free agents. Although I'll tell you what though, if, if Hayward gets a hundred million dollar contract and Fred Van Vliet gets over 20 million and if, 
Gallinari sounds like he's going to get paid well for at least uh, probably a two-year deal. I thought he was a guy who was going to have to take a minimum – or not a minimum, a mid-level from mid-level. a contender. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the word out there on Gallinari is um, it's going to be a three-year deal possibly with, with two only two fully guaranteed. But mm-hmm. again, I think, it's, I think it's a healthy number. Um, yeah, well into eight-figure salaries. Well, not well into, but – Per year. Yeah, well eight, figures eight, eight, eight figures per year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and look – uh, a sign and trade with with Oklahoma City. Presti's not doing anything without getting first round pick. Uh, so, so I, mean, I will. For the, you know, he's, it, he's got a hundred of them. He wants a hundred one. Well, the interesting thing here, and I don't know, Pelton has encyclopedic knowledge of this. He probably has it at his fingertips. I'm pretty sure the the the, the Hawks own a Thunder 2022. Own the Thunder's first round pick in 2022. They own, they own a share of it, yeah, from the Carmelo Anthony Dennis Schroeder trade. And so right. it's only if it's, I think, outside the top 20 off the top of my head. Yeah. And then if it doesn't convey, I think it turns into two seconds. So a logical thing would be to send that back. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they have to send a player back, too. Um, Atlanta can sign Gallo outright. So I think this is probably going to be more about OKC trying to create that trade exception right. for the, you know, to give them something to work with at the deadline. True. And OKC is, um, uh, they're, they're being extraordinarily industrious. It is protected one to 14. So, so lottery protected. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So my, I don't have any inside information, but if a sign and trade, um, uh, if a sign and trade, uh, happens with Gallinari going to Atlanta, it would not surprise me if that thunder pick that the Hawks have a piece of ends up going back. People will make a big deal and be like another first round pick for the thunder, but it would just be getting them getting their pick back that they had already traded. Um, By the way, they, that, that was a, (laughs) that was a a trade that they made to get Dennis Schroeder. I mean, it was also to get off of Carmelo Anthony's salary. They flipped Dennis Schroeder for a first and Danny green. They flipped Danny green. Uh, for a first, although they took on Al Horford, mm-hmm. and they're going to flip Uber for a first, and it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me down the line if they flip Hayward for a first. So that investment that they're going to get back, it, it's uh, it is it is pretty interesting. Um, I, I think I think Presti's working on the red. You mean Horford by playing. the way for a first? Sorry, I was talking too fast. <laughs> um, I was in the process uh, while we were doing this just to take you behind the scenes. I got word that the Knicks made a trade to uh, they they acquired Ed Davis. Um, and so, because we were podcasting, I couldn't focus on the details. So I, so I, so I forwarded the information to Woj. This is this is a little behind the scenes here. Uh, if I seemed a little distracted a few minutes ago on the pod, I, I got a text that the Knicks had made a trade to take on Ed Davis. I got the details of the trade. I sent it to Woj. Woj confirmed it. However, he confirmed that I'm not going to say how, but he confirmed it. And then Woj tweeted it. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit off. Um, but by the way, the, uh, the the Jazz are almost certainly doing that. They also moved off of Tony Bradley. Um, those two deals alone, I think, is going to save them about eight million bucks, and they're going to use that money, I believe, to re-sign Jordan Clarkson. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Jordan Clarkson re-sign with the Jazz, assuming nothing haywire happens, uh, probably shortly after free agency. McMahon, would you think that as well? Yeah, and 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 Woe just tweeted that uh, as well. Yeah, they want to keep Clarkson, who was their bench went from really bad to at least okay once they got Clarkson last year. And then, you know, they are all in on on a long-term future with Donovan Mitchell and uh and, and Rudy Gobert. And the and the Mitchell extension is an easy one. 
hey, here's the, as you call it, the fun max. And then, <laughs> and then I think, I think they're going to be able to get to a number with Rudy. Um, I know he, he wants to stay in Utah. I know they want him. I think they're going to be able to get to a number. It's, it'll be obviously south of the super max that he's eligible for, but I think they'll be able to get to a number for him. Do you think that's something that could happen soon? Cause he doesn't have a, a deadline on that. Um, I, th- I, I think it's, I think Probably it's, something you want to have settled. Don't you want to have settled going into next season? Maybe. Yes. I, I think they would like to have everything settled. I, they have a, you know, they, they had the ownership change their, you know, their new owner comes in with uh, deep pockets and a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and I, I, th- I assume the sale will go through. It would be kind of weird if the new owner is like, okay, we're going to agree to this uh, hundred plus million dollar extension with Rudy Gobert. I want, is yeah. that money in escrow? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I'm sure it will. The guy's loaded, but I'm just, you know, and, I, and, I, and I think the, the awkwardness and the tension and all those things between Donovan and Rudy, the fact that it bubbled to the surface, I think actually helped them deal with it. Um, not that they're going to be, you know, doing double dates or anything in the, in the future, but I, I don't see any reason and I haven't heard any reason that that can't be a, a very productive, you know, essentially business partnership. Yeah. So um, the jazz, you know, the jazz are making pretty significant investment in that roster. And I, I mean, I hate to say, I hate to use the word benefit, but the warriors losing clay Thompson has an impact on the jazz in the hierarchy. Yeah, I mean that very well could. Obviously, the Rockets, um, seemingly heading into a rebuild mode sooner than later, uh, that does as well. You know, you could say, well, the Suns are going to be better, but yeah, I mean, there's a a couple of teams that have been, uh, you know, a couple of teams that have knocked the, the Jazz out of the playoffs in recent years that uh, have taken pretty significant hits this off season. Another it's interesting. People kind of put Denver in that top tier in the West, and you know, if I'm Utah, I'm thinking that we were two games apart in the standings, a game and a half apart in the standings last year. We went to Game Seven, lost on a buzzer beater. Uh, we didn't have our second leading score. Like, are we sure that Denver is that much ahead of Utah in the West? Fair point. Mm-hmm. Fair point. If uh, Donovan doesn't get the 10 second call, you know that. How many times has that been said in Utah? It's just a weird day for the Warriors. I'm just looking at photos of them welcoming James Wiseman to the Chase Center. It's a huge moment. You're up. You're welcoming your top, your your number two pick, theoretical future franchise player, and you're doing it with this melancholy. The Warriors have had a lot of days like that. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part. Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Um, before we go, McMahon, I wanted to ask you about the maneuvers that the Rockets made yesterday um, and what you think that means. So a couple of days ago, the Rockets made um, – most people thought this was a was a, a good trade going forward. They traded for Trevor mm-hmm. Ariza and two first-round picks from the Portland Trailblazers uh, for Robert Covington, um, uh, including the number 16 pick uh, in this year's draft. Um then on draft day, they traded that 16th pick to Detroit with Ariza. And then they bought a second round pick from the Pistons for next year for $4.6 million, which is quite blatantly oh, a, yeah. way, a way to send money to the Pistons to Especially help pay because for... because it's a Lakers second round pick. Right. It's a bad pick. But it looked like they basically, to get... You know, Ariza's contract was twelve point eight million. They sent four and a half million up there. So, to save eight million dollars, they traded away um, a pick in the middle of the first round. Um, it actually saves a little bit more than eight million because they would have to pay that pick around two million. So, they basically made a move to save ten million dollars. Now, well, they, maybe they and, may, so maybe, maybe they didn't like who they could have drafted at sixteen, but. <laughs> And I'm not saying that, like, had they drafted at 16, like that player all of a sudden changes James Harden's mind. But if you're if you're James Harden, what do you think about that? And B, what does this say about where they're headed eventually with this decision? So the the spin from the front office is, hey, we can use our full mid level, and you know, we'll uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, they feel like the full mid level is significantly better than the taxpayer. Um, but look, the the Rockets, the sense I get from the Rockets is that. Their ambition, their goal, their hope is no longer about salvaging the relationship with James Harden and kind of getting him on board. There is a a realization that you know his mind's made up. He he wants out, and and then there is a determination to say that okay, we get it. That's you know this happens in the NBA, but. Just because James Harden wants out doesn't mean he gets to dictate, you know, where and for what. Um, James Harden got to dictate the Russell Westbrook trade last summer. You know, Tillman liked it too at the time. Don't don't get me wrong, but that trade was James Harden was the driving force behind that trade. That's no secret. Harden does not get to say where he's traded, you know, and and you know, basically force the Rockets into taking a package that they feel like is sixty cents on the dollar for a perennial MVP candidate. And so, you know, I think that the, what the Rockets are doing right now is they're, they're prepping for uh, the, the post Harden rebuild. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, as far as the mid-level thing, I mean, that's a fair way to, I mean, I've, I've said this before, the Rockets are the best narrative drivers Mm -hmm. in the league. Um, I would argue that any player that you could get for the mid-level would not be as good as Robert Covington, but, 
you know, whatever. I'm not going to enter, enter right. into the into the argument, but, um, you know, I I also I I if this is the direction they're going, it's responsible. Um, but like they have one day, you know, you had a spectacular story with one of the one of the best quotes we've seen in a while where we're fine. What was the exact quote that you had? We're, we're willing to get uncomfortable. We're willing to get uncomfortable. Um, and and but, what they're saying is, look, we're not going to be rushed into this. He's got to, and Russ is a different deal. There's just not a, a fit for him uh, that makes any kind of sense right now. So they want Russ to come back, you know, but hopefully he's healthy and plays well early, maybe can restore his value and there's a deal to be made. But with James, you know, they're basically, they're saying, hey, you're going to have to come to camp. You know, you're probably going to have to start the season. You know, we're at this point, the Rockets have to be willing to listen. They understand that at some point they're going to have to make a trade, but it's not when he has two years plus a player option on his deal. Right. And I think, Pelton, if you're the Rockets, you want, even if it's, even if it's, it is going to be the Nets, you want the Nets to make the offer to you. And you also, you're going to wait for your phone to ring. And you also want another team in the bidding. If you think that there's a chance that eventually Philadelphia is going to be willing to put Ben Simmons in this deal, mm-hmm. I, I think you wait and wait on that for a long period of time, you know, as long as you're not sabotaging Harden's trade value in the process. And, and, and I don't think you can sabotage Harden's trade value. Even first of all, Harden, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play because let's be honest, he wants to score points. He wants to get a scoring title. Um, he never misses games. He's he's well. He's got a. Pl- I guess I, I guess there's guy. the Anthony Davis thing where yeah, you're afraid, or he could have a Jason Kidd in New Jersey migrant. I I don't see that being an issue. Yeah, with I don't think that's who he, I don't think that's who he is. I don't think it's who, and, and neither do they. And also, by the way, he doesn't have to play. <laughs> it's not a bad time to be unpopular. <laughs> it's not a bad time to be unpopular. You don't have to play in front of fans. Exactly. It's not like he's going <laughs> to be booed. You know. <laughs> um, and then, uh, but here here's. A package for Harden, and and listen, you know, this thing's accelerated a lot faster than I anticipated it would, and, you know, these things are all fluid. We understand that. But what the Rockets are saying is we need a young franchise cornerstone type of player and a Drew Holiday-like package of picks. That's that's where the conversations have to start. And do you see a young franchise cornerstone caliber of player on the Nets? Do you, do you consider Karis LeVert either young or a franchise cornerstone? Well, he's not Ben Simmons, if that's your point. Yeah, my, my point is, and the other thing, listen, if you don't think Tillman's kind of ego is a little bruised by this, and he just is not going to let James, you know, boss him around and ship him to Brooklyn. <laughs> now, I don't know if, if he'd be especially fond of making a deal with the, the, uh, with the GM who just kind of ditched him and then, you know, gotten in a, hooked up with a uh, another team a, a, a week later. Man, there's a whole mini series. There's a Netflix uh, series in that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we can call it Gap Week. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great line. Um, well, I just you know, that's going to be very. I mean, if you're Raphael Stone, how you handle these moves very uh, possibly could affect your entire tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the tenure is twelve years or two years, it could affect your entire tenure as general manager. So you have to be very, very delicate in it. And it looks like that's what the Rockets are going to do. Um, we'll see. All right, a lot of stuff happening in the league. 
Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Kevin Pelton. Thank you to Tim McMahon. We will have more soon. Um, who knows uh, what will happen over the next three days. Everyone, rest up. Enjoy your weekend. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.